The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. He is fresh off a week on the road at Wichita State, at South Florida. Memphis comes out 1-1 one and one in those games. Um, an interesting week for this program, for this team. You know, a, a loss against Wichita State that I think was ugly at times, but when you look at it on paper, when I think we look back, when, when the committee, the selection committee for the NCAA tournament looks back on it, they won't think of it as ugly as probably we are thinking about it right now. And then a win at South Florida in which Memphis comes back from 14 down over the last 13, 14 minutes of the game, uh, guts out a win uh, that would have, and, and if that had turned into a loss, I think we, you know, fans would have been in a full-blown panic. Instead, Memphis sits at 13-3, and 2-1 and one in the conference, going into uh, a game against Cincinnati at home. Uh, that will be a very interesting game, and, but they're in a good position, uh, all things considered. Um, Jason, what, what, as you reflect on the week that was, um, I guess what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on, the, on the week that Memphis had? I mean, I think your description of the week as interesting is really it's better than anything I can come up with because I mean we had we had we had a, this raucous road environment we had a bit a big were, starting lineup shakeup yeah we had a a pretty significant comeback win on the road yep. which oh by the way came in the game where James Wiseman was supposed to come back yep and and so it's it's a very eventful week and they've been there've been a lot of eventful weeks for this team this yeah. season yeah they really have and and I mean. I mean, taking it game by game, Wichita State, you've got uh, Damian Baugh and DJ Jeffries who are still sort of recovering from the flu. Um, You go into a sold-out arena, 10,000-plus, already one of recognized as one of the most hostile environments, best college basketball environments in the country. Um, They are... You know they're up for this game, right? They 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 they're up for every game, but they're especially up for this game. It's a top twenty five matchup. It's the first. It's the sixth time two top twenty five teams have played in that building in its sixty five year history. So, you know, this wasn't just another game. Add to the fact that they were hyping it up all week. It was the blackout game. Everybody was in black. It was the the first time in seven years they've done that. I do think they're pretty good. Not only, yeah, and, and Greg Marshall's <laughs> a good coach, and they've got good players, and they're playing. What are they? Fourteen and one now. Fifteen and one. Fifteen and one. Yeah, um, fifteen and one. <clears throat> ranked sixteenth, yeah. I think, in the new uh, in net the new, rankings. In the new, well, oh, in the new AP people, yeah. In yeah. the net, I think they're top ten. They are and, ninth in the net. Yeah, and is, then they're yeah. twenty-five in Ken Palm. So, like, that's what I was pointing out. Like, Memphis looked. There were moments where they looked overwhelmed in that game, but Both, I don't think if the, they played like. Amazing. I mean, it would have taken a, a near perfect game for them to win in that. 
I, I don't think that's I don't I would not agree with that. I don't think Wichita State is that good. I don't think they look that good in that game. They had stretches. That game came down to they had a bad starting lineup in the game and they got outscored by 12 points in the two and a half minutes to start each half. Yeah. And the fact that they can't, you know, their turnovers are just their turnover problem is an epidemic at this point. I, um but they I, outscored Wichita State for like 35 minutes of that game, they shot a better <clears throat> better percentage than Wichita State, and they out-rebounded Wichita State for the game. And still lost. That's what and I'm saying. Still like, like, it's, it's hard to have played much better than they did, right, judging by the numbers. And Disagree. They still, and they still lost. They shot 30-some, they shot a, like 32% from okay, the field. Okay, let me, let me take that back. And turned it over 18 they times. They could have played better, but... If they had played a decent game, I think they might have been able to win that game. And that was why I think people were so concerned coming out of the game because, again, part of the reason it felt like they didn't play a decent game is the offense looked... Uh, totally out of sync it wasn't just the turnovers it was it was just the they weren't getting good looks and then also it was the fact that it was you know pretty obvious that the starting lineup was not the right starting lineup the best players were not playing enough minutes and to Penny's credit that was two games in a row Georgia and people got I guess some people got annoyed when I you know, said this, like in the Georgia game and in that Wichita State game, he got out coached by two very good coaches, Tom Crean and Greg Marshall. And that happens. Like Michigan State and, and Tom Izzo lost by thirty points to Purdue. Like it happens. Guys get out coached from game to game. There's yeah. there's other coaches, there's other teams and, and Greg Marshall and Tom Crean are good coaches. Um and Penny Hardaway's in his second year at the college level. To Penny's credit, I thought he he coached a hell of a game against South Florida. No doubt. Uh, he he changed the starting lineup, inserts Alex Lomax, uh, Lester Quinones, and Malcolm Dandridge. And then I thought down the stretch was where he really shined, whether it was um, they found this lineup and this formula of running, you know, essentially running the offense through Precious Achua in a lot of ways down the stretch. And then also going with this lineup, which... He had not played very much going into the South Florida game, but Alex Lomax, Tyler Harris, Quinones, DJ Jeffries, and Precious Achua. And when you list it out now, you go, "Huh, that that seems kind of obvious that you that you know those are the five guys who have played the best consistently this season. Why wouldn't you play them all the time?" And and apparently, according to um, Synergy, the the analytics site. Before the South Florida game, that lineup had played 17 possessions together the entire season. And so, but but down the stretch of that game, I thought situationally they were really good. Whether, it were, you know, down when they were fouling instead of allowing South Florida shoot, to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Switching the defense, going from 1-3-1 to 2-3 to man-to-man. Um, I thought Penny did a great job. And I thought he made some nice adjustments from that two game slide if you will and and um because it was interesting cuz after that Wichita State game you you wondered is this half court offense is it salvageable you know because it just didn't look right and it hasn't looked right for a while and on my radio show Bryce Drew who called that Wichita State game was on the show and he he brought up the point and I hadn't really considered he goes it's hard to just completely change an offense 
that one was obviously built around having James Wiseman, but changing it in the middle of the season, like it's just not, it's, it's very difficult to just have widespread changes. It's really you, you, with the, with the ebbs and flows and the com- compressed time frames between games, you really can only make tweaks. And, and I thought they made some tweaks yeah. going into that South Florida game and they worked. Um, you take out the 22 turnovers, and obviously you can't just take those out because at times it was awful um, watching that. They shot a very good percentage from the field. They, they were getting good looks against South Florida. And so um, it, it's interesting because it's a week you could look at as they lost to Wichita State in a game where they were down by 19 in the second half at one point um, and had a comeback at the end that made it respectable and I guess if things had really fallen their way they could have completed the comeback they were down by six yeah they cut it to six and had the ball with like two ish minutes left and a couple of turnovers a couple of yeah uh, critical turnovers at that point it it sounds it seems like what we know about this team is I just don't think you're gonna solve the turnover issue in the no. sense. Like they're gonna be now. Can you get it down to like you can fourteen instead yeah. of twenty-two turnovers? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's doable. But I think this team has shown it is turnover prone. Well, I looked at the numbers this morning. They're averaging seventeen point two turnovers a game, which is the tied for the seventh worst, seventh highest uh, turnover rate in the country. Only six teams are turning the ball over more than Memphis, but. You you have to look at it through the lens of the way this the way this uh, the way Penny Hardaway wants this offense to run. A, you're getting more possessions, so you're going to turn the ball over more. I mean, you're you're just you it lends itself to more turnovers the more you have the ball. But on the flip side of that coin, you're going to score more the more you have the ball. The more times you possess the ball, the the more you're going to score. So, more often than not, that's the case. But also. They love to get up. I mean, getting up and down is kind of their thing. Like, scoring in transition is kind of their deal, and that also just um, inherently ups the risk for uh, – it heightens the risk of, of turnovers. So Look, they're, they're turning the ball over on 22.7% yeah. of their possessions, which is – three. so it's not the sixth worst percentage, but it's still 324th in the country. Right. And out of – 353 teams. Right, right. So but turnovers per game, it's it's yes. way down there. Uh, and and I believe the D1 average is 19.5%, something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, not that you're going to get that average down, that 17.2 uh, turnovers per game down to like 13 for the whole season. But from here to the end of the season, if you can average right around 13 or 14, you know, from here to the end, then you got a then 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 you've got something then you've then you've drastically improved uh, improved yourself. Well, and, and here's the thing: so you look at the week they lose to Wichita State, and then the, it's a four point win over South Florida. That when you look at it, you know they looked bad for thirty minutes of that game, and then for ten minutes they looked great. And I, but I I came away very encouraged after that South Florida game because I thought. The way it all went down, with them coming back from 14 down, with them discovering or, or realizing, at least I hope, we'll, we'll know more when they play Cincinnati Thursday, but this lineup that works and this and this style of half-court offense that seemed to click and work. And they shortened the rotation mark. Yes, 
for the first time in in how long did they only they played ten guys? Yes. they didn't play and, everybody, and they only played nine in the second half. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and, so. and I think that's here, here. Like I know Penny wants to play a lot of guys, but you you can win in college basketball, especially with they're not pressing all the time. And That's not true. playing up and down, you know they have they play at a fast tempo, but they're not playing some frantic, you know ha- VCU havoc type style where you need to have ten eleven guys playing. Right. I really think you know you've got the five we mentioned: Alo, Tyler, Lester, Precious, and DJ. To me, those five guys should be playing the most minutes. Whatever order is Precious, starting with Precious. And then on down the line, but those should be your five—the guys getting the five most minutes until others prove otherwise. You mix in Ball and and Boogie, and then May, and then Malcolm. Dandridge, and then if and if you run into fa- if you run into foul trouble or whatever, maybe you go to nine. But to me, it feels like to me you can get by with eight. And 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 that's what I would do because See, I think you saw at the end of that game when they went with the lineup consistently. They found a rhythm. They they didn't turn the ball over as no, much down the stretch. Like and three I, times, I think, in the final 10, 12 minutes. And I know Penny has been searching for the right combos, and that's why he mixes and matches and, and substitutes so frequently. But it's, you know, it's January uh, 14th when we're recording this. It's time to settle on a rotation. All right, let me ask you this. Do you think that he would have started moving in this direction sooner had... Had they lost to like Tennessee? No, 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 no. Had DJ Jeffries and Damian Ball not gotten sick, and Malcolm Dandridge just coming off a significant knee injury, do you think that he would have start if he had had all things being equal two weeks ago? Do you think we would have started to see this then? If if those if those no, well, no, I think he said very clearly because they were winning, he didn't want to change yes, the starting he, lineup. He did say that, and I think there's a very delicate thing going on here, specifically with Boogie Ellis. I think right. it's very clear to me. You know, it, it, Penny has not said this, but there were some that, you know, obviously to get a, a recruit of his caliber to come here, there were things said on the recruiting trail like that. I don't think he was. I think he played 13 minutes the other day. Yeah, that listen, promises but, very well may have been made, but he's not playing well. I mean, okay. you just got to you just got it's just the bottom line. What's his field goal percentage? Twenty nine point two percent. Yeah, twenty nine. No. He's shooting twenty nine point two percent. The next lowest on the team is Tyler Harris, shooting thirty seven percent. Yeah, and here's what I've said. But I've said this all along about Boogie. I, I still think. Oh, he can for be, this team to be really good, yeah, yeah, like yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, and they're pretty good. Right. But to be really good, right? I think they they need a score. They need him to be a better scorer One, to to contribute more, and, and when, they need him to fi- figure out his role. And when they get it. Then he'll be. Then I think you you start but, playing. But Penny's more. whole thing was, and I think he's probably right in a certain regard. Like it's easier to make these changes after a loss. Like oh, it's yeah. easier to go to Boogie Ellis and say, we can't. "Listen, man, you know it's <laughs> we, not going well. Like we got to win games." Yeah. And doing it after the two, even though it was obvious this starting lineup was not working a while ago, they were winning, and so I think it was. Now, do I think you know? I can understand maybe doing that with Boogie. I still don't understand why Isaiah Maurice was playing so many minutes. But yeah, the fact that he didn't play at all. Well, it sounds like he was nicked up a little bit. Maybe, that's what that's what okay. Penny said on the radio well, broadcast. Taking eight shots, taking eight shots at Wichita State. Yeah. Will do that to you. Yeah, he, he threw his two, arm out, going two of eight from uh, <laughs> from the field. But um, 
But here, look, like, 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 if we take stock of this, they're thirteen and three. Oh, yeah. They're still twenty-three Ooh. in the net rankings. But, no they're f- they're forty in Ken they're Palm. Twenty-two. Twenty-two in the net rankings. Forty in Ken Palm. If you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm's predicting them to be twenty-three and eight and twelve and six in conference. But as of today, they will be favored in all but two games yeah. the rest of the way. Yeah. It's only the Cincinnati road game and the Houston road game. And so, and I don't think they're just going to lose. Like maybe they lose three or four games the rest of the way, but like the team is fine. It's you know, and and it, it you can say like, oh, but like what if they had lost the South Florida game? I think it's really important that they came together like they did and didn't lose the South Florida game. That's why I feel optimistic. And it's that sometimes the margin between feeling good and feeling bad is that thin. But I think a win like that goes will go a long way for this group, um, that they persevered like that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I said I, I've been saying this since the game ended. I think they're gonna go out and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna beat the crap out of Cincinnati on Thursday. I think we're gonna see finally everything kind of click well, for this group. That's yeah, my prediction. Well and I got the sense talking about that South Florida game and, and everything I got the sense that they felt that that was a, a rejuvenation, and I asked mm-hmm. Penny that very thing in the in the post game if that was like overstating things, and he said absolutely not. He said we've got a young team, and winning is it, it's um, it's it's you know it, it doesn't cure all, but it's uh, it's huge. I mean, you know, the more you lose, the more it hurts the young player. You know, veterans can get over it. Veterans know how to sort of uh, stay, you know, level. They, they, the, the ups and the downs aren't aren't quite as as. Well, and drastic. I think in that Cincinnati, I still think you know, I think DJ and Damian will be completely healthy. I mean, Precious Achua is just playing at a fun, at a an all American level. Let, oh, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. be honest, like an all American level. And um, I've been really just that game against South Florida was probably I, I don't know that that game or. Um, that and the Georgia game were have been his two best games, but that sequence at the beginning of the game where he hits a corner three and then hits a pull up jumper along the other baseline, and then the end of the game where he's blocking shots on defense, he's just a menace in pick and roll defense, and then he's he's making the really smart reads on the pick and roll. Like he was he was he was uh, you know like it just was it was it was all the things the scouts have wanted to see from him and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's helping his draft stock and, but like I said, more so he, I mean, he's just been everything you could have hoped for if you're a Memphis fan. And well, it's no secret. He was reluctant. You know, we, we knew it it, it was clear that he was reluctant in the beginning. And Penny has said that uh, on numerous occasions that he um, didn't necessarily want to do what he's being what he's been asked to do and you could kind of see that in the first few games you know after James um uh sat down you could kind of see that in in Precious's game but the last six or eight games you can tell he's bought in and like the read that I got off of him in the post game the other day when Penny was kind of talking about that talking about how he he hated uh you know playing the five and all that stuff he kind of like snickered and and you could kind of feel that okay now i understand that this is not only helping the team but it's also helping me and and i don't think it's necessarily the fact that he's dominating that's helping him as much as 
the f- yes, he's getting fewer opportunities to do what he wants to do, and that's play on the perimeter and get out and be athletic and all that stuff, take advantage of his of his tools, but that's allowing him to maximize. He's maximizing the few opportunities that he is getting. I looked up the stats. His his from three to start the season, he was one of six, and he's five of eight since. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's showing that he's not give. He's he's. He's not, not, he doesn't have as many opportunities to. But he's not forcing the issue to either. show what the weaknesses, what weaknesses he's, there might be. So he's been great. He he's has been, been great, been and great. Um, and Memphis has been great because of it. And especially ever since James Wiseman left the team, yeah, not quit. Yeah, right. Not quit. I'm gonna. I, I really don't not do not like that narrative. I heard your, that's out there. I heard your. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's, you can, I guess technically he quit the team. And if you want to feel that way, you can, but that's, you're basically saying James Wiseman made this decision. And I don't believe that for a second. I think the people around him made this decision for him. The counter argument to that is like, did somebody hold a gun to his head? Like, you know, I mean, like. I want you to picture yourself no, no, when you're 18 years old. I'm not disagreeing and with the, you. And the people who have been around you your whole life sure. are telling you this is what you should do. I'm not disagreeing. We want you to do this. Like, you're going to just go against those people. Like, I think in five years, like, I've, I wrote this. I think I do think in five years when James has control of his life, like when he's right. control in control of the decision-making more, which he's not. Like, like he he's not the one. Like, I... He he has not had any control over any of the decisions in his life. I don't right, right. I don't believe it's that classic. You know, you 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 live under my roof, and it's like you it's know, not even under my roof. It's just he trusts he 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 trusts the people around him, and they told him to do this, and so he yeah. did it. Yeah. And so yes, I guess he quit the team because he's the one who sent the Instagram message out, and he's the one who left. But I I really do, I I think it's unfair to him. I as I've said all along, he is the one victim in this entire ordeal. And I, I do. I think the adults, a lot, all the adults around him, and frankly, I include Penny in this because he's the one who paid the eleven thousand five hundred dollars. They, they've, to a certain degree, at certain steps of the way, he's been failed by the adults around him. Um, and and in this case, you know, maybe the, if this is truly what he wanted to do, then whatever. But I don't believe that for a second because he would have done it before. But I just, I think it's unfair to James to call him a quitter. When the reality is, he had very little to do with this decision. I do think I do think you bring up a, a, a fantastic point that it's very telling the timing, and we've ta- and we've alluded. Every, everybody's talked about it that the timing is really, um, you know, it shouldn't be ignored that he was given the twelve games. And he sat out most of it. He, he had three weeks left and then just decided then to all of a sudden leave. Up up and leaves. And so yeah, <clears throat> if it was up to if it if that was what he wanted to do. He really he was trying it. to say F you to the NCAA. Right. He would have done, it, he would have done it as soon as he got the suspension. That's right. That's right. And so it just is what it is. The team's moved on. I think a lot of the fans have moved on, but I just I don't like I don't like unfair I, I think it's unfair to call him a quitter. He left the team, and there were a lot of factors going on behind the scenes that, unfortunately, James Wiseman um, had no control. Like, had, he's 18 years old, and he's the you know he's got 
all these people in his ear. No and I, I just want people to put themselves in his shoes as an 18-year-old with all those people in, in your ear. Which they can't. I mean. No, you can't. But, like, yeah. just I, I try we'll to imagine try, it. And it's like, try, oh, my. Yeah. I don't know what. Like, if your mom or dad told you, oh, yeah. like, this is at 18, this is what you need to do. Like, you're going you're gonna to really rebel against them in that case? I, I don't think so. So, um Let's not call him a quitter. Let's let's just uh, let's just uh, the departed. No, I I've always carefully put left the team. He yeah. left the team, withdrew. But let's focus departed. on the team because the team is pretty good. They're thirteen and three, um, and they've got a big game against Cincinnati on Thursday. Um, Jaron Cumberland comes to town, the the reigning MVP or uh, yeah MVP player of the year in the yeah. AAC. They've won three of four. They've had a rocky season under new coach John Brandon. They've lost to Bowling Green and Colgate. Um, and that Colgate, but they've won three of their past four. They beat UConn lost to two at home, lost to Tulane on the road, beat Tulsa at home, and then just recently beat UCF on the road. They their past two games. Look to be their two best games of the year. Um, they beat Tulsa by 31, and then Tulsa went out and beat Houston, and then they beat UCF by 14 on the road. So this is a Cincinnati team that has been disappointing so far, but seems to be playing better basketball of late. Yeah, uh, um, we'll have plenty of coverage all week uh, and uh, Thursday uh, and after the game. Um, on commercialappeal.com make sure you're checking it all out jason also if you if you missed it has this the first part of an oral history of the 1984-85 final four team it's really excellent stuff he's talked to everyone he possibly could and um i i suggest you check that out uh the next part will come out in a couple weeks but part one is up right now uh till next time i was mark i was joined by jason thanks so much enjoy the rest of your week The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at CommercialAppeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.